You open a punnet of beautiful strawberries. The fragrant hits you. You put it in your mouth and the flavour bursts into your taste buds. Combine that with the smell and you've got this thing that just is a crazy, awesome good. But how does all that happen? Let's break into the life of a strawberry grower and work out all the things that have to happen to make that experience that lasts just a couple of seconds so wonderful. Brendan Hoyle and his team work really hard in making that happen for us, and today we get to talk to him and learn all about that for episode number 56, 57? What is it, Scarlett? I think. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. One of the episodes. But brought to you by the Chef Notepad, as always, the awesome tool that helps you cost your recipe, store your recipes, and generally helps you know what you're doing so that you can make money. And in these crazy times, you need to make sure that you're making some cash. Also, the Suncoast Fresh ordering app, if you've got some downtime, get in there, learn that. It's easy as, saves you time and saves you money because there's some special prices on there for people who are ordering on the app so check that out at the Suncoast Fresh website. Okay so what episode is it Scarlett? 56. Episode number 56 Brendan Ashburn Farms strawberries they're awesome sit back relax let's go. Thank you Brendan Ashburn Farms I want to put this out there for everyone. We're on this beautiful farm. I just put my phone on airplane mode and an airplane fell over, flew over the top of us. There's a beautiful tractor going past. The boys have just run out to, to pick the strawberries. There's a beautiful green and red field with the Glasshouse Mountains in the background. So um, picturesque, stunning. We've got a perfect day for this to chat and learn all about strawberries. Thank you for being on the podcast, Brendan. Beautiful. Thanks for coming out. It's great to have uh, guests show people what we do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're, we're sort of coming into peak season now. Yeah, you know? we are. So, yeah. How did you get into this? How did you get into being a strawberry farmer? Oh, look, I've sort of always grown up, you know, around ag, and I went to ag college in Zimbabwe yeah. and um, ended up growing tobacco and roses over there. And, uh, yeah, we, we migrated about 15 years ago. Yeah, okay. And uh, went up to Rockhampton and worked on a cattle farm up there. Yeah. So we did some organic beef cattle and um, yeah, it was a pretty good experience. And yeah, yeah this job came up uh, on a strawberry farm on the coast here and yeah, okay. uh, it was closer to family. So we, we moved back to the coast and yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we'd never looked back since, you know, we've been, we've been growing strawberries ever since. You just pumped into it. So you've, you've managed to, you know, what we love about you and there'll be a bit of action in the background for everyone. So don't, don't stress. No, let, let him go. It's all right. That's, that's it. We're on a working farm, so there'll be a tractor going past. We've had cows go past in the past, so don't, don't worry, and, and um, it's been, been fine. So, yeah, you're on this working farm. Um, you're out here. So you, you, you went from a cattle farm. So what, how do you just become a strawberry farmer? Oh, look, I think with an, an ag background, you know, you sort of, we, we got a real good feel for, for a lot of agriculture as a whole. You know, we did sheep and cattle, did a lot of intensive. We did roses under greenhouses, so a lot of intensive horticulture as well as the broadacre stuff, wheat, you know, cotton, uh, yep. grain. So, yeah, it was all pretty, you know, a uh, bit of a change in tempo. Yeah. But, um, you know, this is very, very this intense. Let's get the video, though. Oh, it's going straight past us. <laughs> so there you go. He's, what's he doing? He's taking out some trays for the pickers. He's taking out yeah. picking trays, yeah. yeah. So 
Um, okay. We're in the middle of the peak today. Yeah. So. It's actually like peak season and I've, I've bothered you with a, with a bit of a, a 45 minute podcast. So we really appreciate your time. Okay. So what's unique about you guys that I, I, I see in why that Suncoast love dealing with you guys is that you've got the two farms. So you've got one here on the sunny coast underneath the beautiful Glasshouse Mountains and you've got one out at Stanthorpe. So you're able to do Nelly all year. Tell me which when you're here and when you're out there. Yeah, so, um, yeah, pretty unique. We can grow Queensland strawberries all year round now. And, uh, yeah, funny enough, it's, uh, you know, the seasons offset each other beautifully. So, you know, here we're growing in the winter, so we start production around May, and uh, we'll try and run through till the end of October, and Stanthorpe starts in October and runs through till May. So, so you have a house here and a house there? Is that how it works? Or? Yeah, not, not well, we do, but not quite. <laughs> not the house I'm imagining. Yes, that's right. <laughs> So more, right. so more of accommodation. So, yeah, so we, we do a lot of travel back and forth. You yeah, know? Yeah. There's always machinery to go up and back. And so, you know, we generally do a lot of day trips. Yeah. And um, we've got a full team up in Stanthorpe. Yeah. And uh, they're looking after the farm and they do a great job up there. Yeah, beautiful. Um, so we can have menu, strawberries on the menu all year round with confidence. Because I know that a lot of the time we, we substitute into Victorian, particularly through, through summer. Um, and we also have South Australian as well that, that come on to the to the Brisbane market. But uh, I think that generally we're, we're trying to use yours all the time unless there's a little gap in picking or whatever that might be. So so we, we like to favour your stuff. And one, because you know how to grow great varieties. So tell us about varieties. I, I Googled uh, how many varieties there are. I said 600 on the old internet today. Yeah. How many varieties and how do you pick varieties? Um, uh, yeah, let's go with that. Predominantly based on on flavour, I think is probably our number one priority. Um, obviously, the varieties we grow in the winter season are different to the summer, because of the the day length essentially. So we grow a lot of short day varieties in the winter. So those are varieties that produce fruit during a short day length, as opposed to throwing runners, which is the other reproductive cycle that they go through in the summer. So um, we're lucky enough to have uh, a breeding program you know, here on the Sunshine Coast in Nambour, and they've come up with um, a pretty solid variety called Red Rhapsody. So, you got to sing it there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you could try if you were a singer. Red Rhapsody. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it's, a great, it's a great variety. It's a good all-rounder. It yields well. It's quite hardy. Yep. Um, it's got good flavor. Um, generally a little bit darker in, in, in color than, uh, our, I guess, the predecessors, which a lot of the varieties used to come over from the, U- the US um, and they have a very light glossy vibrant color whereas the Rhapsody is a lot darker and I think when it's darker sometimes people think it's either older or too ripe or something but it is isn't and it's actually delicious and full of more antioxidants and, and stuff as well is that's that the reason for yeah, it being right. darker so it is you know on a, on a nutrition basis it's yeah. actually better than than the lighter colored vibrant ones yeah. But uh, it does. It, it can be portrayed as slightly overripe or dull and old. Yeah. But um, look, they they they're very good. Yeah. You know, very and that sort of they seem to be red all the way through too, which I know that that's probably what we aim for all the time, is it? But these ones like seem to be just red when you cut them all the way through, as opposed to a little bit lighter on the inside. Yeah. Almost. Some of them can be a little bit tending white inside. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So we you know we're looking to choose varieties that would suit the region. And, um, and, and basically flavor is, is, a, is a top one for us mm. because we want people to enjoy the experience of the strawberry. What about size? Does size matter? Weird question, but does size matter? Look, size, <laughs> size does matter because at the end of the day, we have to pick and pack our strawberries yeah. uh, 
by hand and uh, generally costs a lot more than a machine picking. Yeah. So a bigger strawberry costs less to pick and pack because you usually pay by a kilo and yeah. you pack by okay. kilo. So the bigger the strawberry, the more efficient we are. Yeah. But then you can go too far where you only get five piece punnets yeah. and uh, you know, huge strawberry can't do anything with it. You know, yeah, almost yeah. looks like an apple. Yeah, it's it's a little bit harder to get the kids to eat one, and when they do, they they eat the whole punnet in thirty seconds, and only eat the bottom bit. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like the nine pointer, we, we call it. I'm not sure yeah. if it's an industry term or not, but we call it nine points along the top. That's sort of a strawberry that I think is a good size, size. for restaurants and stuff because a lot of yeah. the time they put you know one or two on the top of something. Um, um, that that's the size that I generally like to go for, but I do love, and we picked them uh, for the for the star. I think I think you might have picked them actually about a year ago. And we had to do some VIP at the star, and we had to do yeah. a a rush trip, which took me about six hours in the end. Actually, okay. by the time I drove here, then drove back to the Gold Coast, and um, we had these big big strawberries. Tell me about the variety of they are after the tractor turns the corner here. Sure. He's dropped the trays off for the boys now. I just saw the young fellas running out to the field. Um, yeah, I, I want to talk about size still, but yeah, um, so, but don't let me forget to talk about those young fellows because they look like they were having such a good time. Um, yeah, so that we picked those really big ones for, for dipping. They were a Californian variety, I think you might have said. Yeah, they were, yeah. So they'd come in. We, we, uh, we put them on trial that year and there were two of them. We put on beautiful tasting strawberries, very good size, and they were just magnificent. A um, little bit harder to pick and pack, though. Yeah. And we struggled with that just because they would tended to be quite soft. Okay. I was saying to a friend last night um, when I said, what do you want to know about strawberries? Actually, I wasn't a friend. It was my son. Um, he is a friend as well. But um, why don't we pack strawberries like mangoes almost more? Like, I know there's a little bit of it, but it feels like that when things are in celebratory stages of harvest, like, um, for example, uh, mangoes, that we should almost do them in a half sort of a half a tray right. because there's such great value that would be easier to pack I assume or maybe not to run through a thing tell me the reasons why we 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 should or shouldn't do that so i think it comes down to and you know there's a few models of of strawberry growing um, some of the some of the other models would pick and pack in the field so you essentially a lot less handling of the strawberry because the more you handle it, the more likely you are to have bruising. So you know, in in that essence, it's a pretty good it's a pretty good model to be able to pick and pack in the field. Mm. The problem we have on the coast is that it can get quite weather prone. So we get a lot of rain, and during the rain you can't pick and pack wet fruit. So generally, we split the operation into two: a picking team and then a packing team. And that way, we've got a solid foundation for whatever the, the weather throws at us. So, you know, we definitely looked at other options to try and get fruit, you know, to a retail point in, mm. the, in the field. Um, but yeah, just with having to go through the weather cycles that we do out here, it does make it a little bit harder. Yeah, well, I guess, um, yeah, uh, uh, that, that brings us to wastage and how do you deal with, um, you know, that sort of, like, what other products, are you, are you is that the next stage of the chain? Is that, that um, somebody else down the chain to, to turn potential wastage or you know fruit that might not be right for the shelf uh, or for cooking what does there is there an outlet there for you yeah so generally speaking we obviously 
a lot of it comes down to management in the field and the pe- and the people you use. Yeah. Um, because you don't want them, you know, to go too hard, causing bruising or picking too green. You know, that generally ends up as waste. So we're always very mindful of that. Mm. Um, we do run a value pack range, which is like a seconds. And, um, you know, that can be quite good for smoothies or, you know, for cut-ups. Yep. And uh, that, that way it makes use of that. Yep. But yeah, outside of that, generally it's very difficult to make use of any more of the waste that we, we do produce. And we produce a lot. So that's the 500 gram punnets, yeah? That's a 500 gram. Yeah. So often, uh, yeah, we, we, we run that through the peak and when you have a bit of that as well, just so people know. But generally what a farmer does do, so if something's in a 500 gram punnet, it generally is a second. Would that be fair to say? Pretty fair to say. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because I, I I did need to clear that up. Yeah. Um, tell me about these boys. They um, they look so happy, uh, and um, a happy workplace is awesome. So once again, I'll just say we're, we're looking at the Glasshouse Mountains, beautiful fields. These green trays everywhere. A couple of beautiful red tractors, and these these boys uh, getting around, having a good time. Tell us about them, boys. So basically, we need lay, we need a labour force all year round because we run the two farms and. Um, trying to work on a skilled labor force. Mm. So instead of re-educating and re-skilling pickers in the field, we have tended to start moving away so we can try and get onto one of the Pacific labor schemes. So um, either bringing people in from the Pacific Islands, mm. um, that way we can try and bring back the skills, try and re- you know return some of the workers uh, on a seasonal basis or every couple of years, try and get the efficiency of picking and packing right. Is that just because we, you know, the the local people, not potentially local people, but you know, local Brisbane people, or there's just not a lot of people who want to do this type of work? Because man, I'm just sitting here, it feels like heaven to me, and I know that it's hard labour, and you, and you're on. We'll get to talk about those trolleys and how they pick as well. But yeah, is that the case? We just just can't get the local bloke. Yeah, our experience is very tough to try and keep the locals. Yeah, Um, unfortunately, is quite a seasonal type Mm. of job. And we do go through these very peak periods where we work seven days a week and it could be 12 hour days, yeah. you know, because when the crop's on, the crop's on and we've got to get it off. We can't leave it for tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, weekends go out the window and, you know, you're, you're, up, you're out here when sun's up and generally yeah. you go home when the sun's down. And that's pretty hard work. And that's an Australian thing. Is that we're all a bit, well, not all of us, but I mean, I guess the hospitality industry, we're almost used to that. But there is a certain, you know, demographic that, that does like, unfortunately, Monday to Friday, I go to the beach on Saturday and play footy on Sunday, which is not such a bad thing. But um, what? Me. <laughs> Scarlett, yeah, she's that person. She loves Monday to Friday. Barely <laughs> get her a text. But um, yeah, so um, I guess that that's why you get these boys in from, from overseas. Um, yeah. Uh, but they... Yeah, like I said, they, they're bloody happy as like I just saw them. They all looked like they were playing tag as they were getting back oh, out of the field. We haven't had a motivated group like this for a while. Yeah, you know, like the boys have come over to work and yeah. they want to work hard, and you know they're not scared of doing the hours. And we, we, you know, it's been a long time since we've experienced that. Yeah, um, you know, so they go pretty hard, and um, you know, we, I guess we're learning with them, mm. but you know, the important thing is that they they really want to work and they really want the hours, and so yeah. you know we can. We can get away and we're looking forward to training and having them come back again next yeah. year. Great. Yeah. I, I say boys because I only did see boys. Was there girls over there as well? I'm not sure. Um, this group here, generally all of them are boys. We've got yeah. a couple of girls in there, yeah. but most, mostly the girls we use in the pack shed because yeah. they, their hands um, are a little bit more nimble and they're yeah. a little bit quicker to pack. So. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got a visitor here. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Security. Testing. 
well, it's good to see you got security. Now that brings me to um, you know pesticides and um, and stuff. So I know you've got an organic program, but yeah. tell us what you're doing there. So at the moment we're running a, a parallel system, you know, here on the you know in the Biwa, in the Biwa area. So we're looking to grow. We've got a field. You won't be able to see it way over yonder there, which is actually in conversion. So um, we're converting it into an organic field to grow our organic side. Mm. Um, and it's got to stay fallow or without pesticides or uh, chemical fertilizers for at least three years. So we're doing soil tests on that every year. But yeah, we grow about 160, 170,000 organic strawberries. And um, it does pose a lot of challenges. Who but, counts um, them, man? <laughs> <laughs> we know it. We know, and, and I think that's it comes to a point of difference, you know, where every plant matters to us. Yeah. You know, we're not to such an enormous scale that, you know, a corner of a block doesn't matter. Yeah. Every plant is accountable for producing yeah. a couple of punnets for us. And so that's how we that's how we look at the fields. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, we intimately know how many is in each field and, and what each one's doing. Tell me about the good bug, bad bug situation. I can see yeah. this being made into a movie, but yes. <laughs> tell me about the good, bad bug, bad bug situation. Well, with the organics, you know, it, it sort of it opened up a whole new dimension for us. You know, we had to use a lot of uh, integrated pest management, so IPM, and um, that the development's coming a long way. We're using a lot of predator mites now uh, to help us get on top of the insect pests. Yeah, and. Um, you know, we're doing a great job. It's, it really is fantastic to see. It takes a little bit more monitoring, you know, so we get out there with an eyeglass, you know, every week, every couple of days, and we have a look and see under the leaves, on the flowers and on the fruit and see what's going on, you yeah. know, with the pests. So I'm imagining a heap of bugs in a really little Toyota <laughs> driving around with little fireflies using as torches looking for the bad bugs at night and then they go and bash them up and get rid of them. Is that... Sort of how it works? In a way. In a way, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the, the battle, as we call it, you know, happens under the leaves there. And, yeah. you know, you can watch it before your eyes. Yeah, you know, okay. Slow-moving bugs. You can see exactly what's going on. So it's awesome to see. And, um, yeah, we've obviously moved that across into the conventional. So, yeah. you know, we're doing a lot of IPM. We're using a lot of IPM strategies in the conventional crop and trying to get away from using a chemical as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. I... Um, Beautiful red, delicious, um, as much as chemical-free strawberries uh, you grow here are great. Now, you get these people who ring up and want the, let's call them green strawberries. Uh, I know that there's a few kilos in order for you today, I think. Um, now, what's the go with that, and, and is that a good or a bad thing for the for the crop? Look, it's um, I guess it's a little bit unconventional. We don't get a huge demand for that, but, you know, people use them in various techniques, you know, in cooking and um you know, we, we'll oblige if it's if it's a small amount. It is a bit of a problem for us because obviously the greener the strawberries, because you sell it on weight, you're not getting the same weight. So obviously oh, they yeah. become very expensive oh, yeah, to purchase. I, yeah, well, and they are basically twice the price. Twice the price, yeah, usually yeah. half the size. And um, you've got to send someone out to pick them specially. Especially and, to get yeah, them, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah I, uh, I wanted to just, does that do anything to the other strawberries that are coming on? Does it stress anything out or anything like that? No, it's all pretty good. Oh, uh, it shit, just means that's what I've been telling people for years. <laughs> 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 Look, we could probably come up with something, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, no, I, a... I, I, I get you know they pick or never do things, and you know the challenge for chefs is always coming up and, and trying to do something new and inventive. And um, you know the baby spinach and baby carrots, things are getting smaller and, and, and 
and different. So so good on the, the chefs for having a go at doing something different. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, another thing that sometimes uh, the white tip, the cap bit at the top, sometimes white? Tell us about why that happens and, and what the go is there. So a lot of the time when we're walking through the fields, we're looking and focusing a lot on the flowers. Mm. And, you know, generally it comes down to, and I think that's why strawberries in general have had a bad rap about chemical usage. Um, the strawberries that we're growing are generally always in a flowering mode and a fruit filling mode. And then there's ripe strawberries on the same bush. So you're always tackling this, the different stages of that whole strawberry. And the flowers are what we look at and focus on. That's what we want to protect. And if they're coming through every week, we're sort of needing to protect them every week. So that in three or four weeks time when we pick them, you know, they, they're good, healthy, plump, you know, glossy strawberries. Yeah, so say that again. So the, I, I um, was out here taking photos a couple of weeks ago, actually, of the, the flower. So it starts with the flower, then it goes little baby green, dark green strawberry, then a little bit lighter, then almost turns a whitey colour. Goes white. Then starts to go red, red from the bottom or the top? Depending on the variety. Okay. Some of them will, will colour from the tip, generally from the tip up to the shoulder. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's generally what we see. Um, yeah. Red Rhapsody can go through stages, especially through really cold weeks where they may, they, they color a little bit more blotched. Mm -hmm. So you might have a beautiful upturned strawberry. So the, the strawberry facing the sun is in full color and you turn it around and it's white on the other side. Yeah, that's a bit um, like an apple, isn't it? Yeah. Same thing, yeah, yeah. You, get that, you get that effect from the sun. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, that's exactly, that's exactly the cycle. And yeah, so we're yeah. always looking at the flowers yeah. and protecting the flowers. And if we have any, Issues with the fruit is in the shape. Yeah. Um, if there's any deformation, it's generally happened at the flower stage. So if we get a rain event during pollination, um, when that fruit is ready to be picked in three or four weeks' time, you can have issues with that fruit yep. at that stage. Might be a little bit. Generally, can be moldy. Can you know can have deformed tips. And um, one of the other things is this white tip issue, and that can either be weather or you might have a pest that's in the crop and it sucks on the flower. Generally, at the tip. And um, it causes that that white shoulder. Oh, the white tips. Oh yeah. Um, the white oh, shoulder. The right tip. The, the white at tip the, at the bottom. Call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the shoulders, generally speaking, is a picking is a picking thing. Yeah. You know, we try and pick to one. You know, to like a seed line of white shoulder, and that just just gives you a little bit more longevity of the fruit. You know, both in the cold room and in the shelf, and obviously in people's fridges. Mm. Yeah. Um, they are all delicious. Strawberries seeds from the outside. They are. There. It's yeah. a very odd fruit that way. Yeah. And, um, yeah, a little bit of useless uh, knowledge is generally, on average, is about 200 seeds on every on every strawberry. Yeah. So so do you, do you grow them from seed? We, we don't. We don't. Um, a lot of the varieties that come in um, from overseas are, you know, you might get a, a new variety come into Australia and you might get one or two plants. Um, the idea behind the breeding is to try and keep a clone of that variety because once you go to a seed stage, uh, you can start to see the variations coming through for that that, mm. that hybrid. That that's the chopper. Is that your wife <laughs> getting around checking? Is that Ash just Someone's checking the field? Just, is that? just checking up just on us the there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So lots of work goes into the breeding. Um, then they get grown. Then they get you transplant them out here. You prepare yeah. the soil. Tell me about how you're looking after the soil for future generations. Yeah. Look, that's a massive, uh, massive part for us to play. And you know, we spend a lot of time and effort in the soil. Um, it's where everything comes from. And, you know, at the end of the day, that's where the health of the plant and the yield of the plant will, will come from. And so, you know, it means everything to us is having the soil. You know, mm. it's, 
it's a natural you know it's natural and you know along comes a whole biodiversity underneath there which you need to understand in order to get the best out out of mm. it so in the in the off season we'll basically pull up all the beds you know so all the plastic grows that you see here we pull them up and and we do soil tests we just make sure that we've got a great balance happening there and um and then we just start working to get it back into shape for the next season mm. so um you know we'll bring up any elements that are, are short uh, we do a lot of compost composting and uh, we go grow cover crops there too so the soil is never bare and open to the sun mm -hmm. it's always covered and um, you know we just try and build up on the health and, and keep the organic matter up beautiful because we're in uh, as I've said three times I think now this we're in is this like world heritage or something like it's I know that John Howard did something a little while ago and, and, and protected it somehow I hope that's still the case um, yeah these glasshouse mountains are obviously vulcan Volcanic. Yep. That's the leftover of volcanoes from, I assume, millions of years ago. I haven't done my research on that. But um, the soil... The so was that 20 million years ago? Or is that Mount Warning? Oh, that might be Mount Warning. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, so the soil must have um, must have been good to start, uh, and looking after it for future generations uh, is important. Um, being this close to Brisbane, I you know the way that the world's going, it feels like there'll be a house here in five minutes. <laughs> it uh, does feel like that. You know, <laughs> we certainly feel like it, it. You know, it's encroaching. Yeah, as um, land value goes up, and you yeah. can't buy a house in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's another story. Um, tell me about some of the challenges you've had. Um, you know, obviously. Um, the strawberries were trying to get vaccinated early when someone put the the needle into the strawberry. You yeah, know, tell us yeah. about tell us about that challenge. Bit of an upset there to our season. You know, <laughs> it, uh, sort of come in the peak. You know, peak season for us. You know, we do we probably spend um, the first three months of the season, four months of the season picking. You know, half of half of the the volume of crop we're going to pick for the season, and the other half we pick in about six weeks. So, you know, usually we come on really heavy and we're really pumping them out. And that's why there's always many specials on in, in mm. all the retailing supermarkets. And, you know, we're trying to get the sales up. So, you know, to have a needle saga like that, you know, come up, you know, right in the peak there was, um, was quite a blow. Um, it basically stopped all sales of strawberries dead. Mm. And unfortunately with a strawberry crop, you don't have a lot of time to hang on to the crop in the field. You know, you've got two or three days and you've got to make a decision whether you you're going to keep it or you're going to have to bin it. And um, it felt like an eternity every day that we had through there where we just had no market for strawberries, mm. you know, because of because of the issues. And um, we just ended up walking away from one block each day um, until we ended up with about two-thirds or half of the farm, you know, after a week because um, we just had nowhere to send them. So it was a bit of a blow, especially during the peak because that's when we rely on, you know, making all the income back for all the money spent to get the crop in the ground to start mm. with. So it wasn't an easy, it wasn't an easy year. It was, um, it was quite challenging. Um, but yeah, it sort of, you know, it's, it's opened our eyes and we've got a few systems in place now and, you know, diversify the market a little bit just in case you have issues. Yeah, it's funny how challenges make you actually become Re something better almost. Yeah, um, you rethink things yeah, yeah. again, you know, and you just, you, I guess you put in place strategies to help you through. Yeah, I think, Ash, I think I was probably the first person she sent a video to um, that, you know, when you had the metal detector, you know, in, you know put into put in the place. packing shed. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about that packing shed too, because, you know, the boy's out in the field, then I know you rip them back to keep them at the right temperature pretty quickly. Um, yeah, tell me how the packing shed Yeah, works. so it, the, um, it's really important to get strawberries back into, into the cold room as fast as possible, because that's where your shelf life comes from. 
So looking after a good, you know, at the end of the day, you want a really good product on the shelf that's vibrant in color and, you know, tastes great. Um, and so all the way along, working backwards into the field there, it's all about the cold chain. So, you know, we're very big on keeping our paddocks short so that once we pick the fruit, the fruit can get offloaded onto a tractor and that's why we've got two tractors running backwards and forwards. Yeah, that's why there's lots of noise in the background because we're not going to stop this for a podcast. <laughs> that, well, so we're trying yeah. to get the fruit into yeah. the cold rooms, bring it down in temperature and then we ship it across to the pack shed and um, it stays in a cold room there and it comes out onto the tables and it gets packed mm. probably within 15 minutes and it's back in the cold room again. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it takes a bit of working, you know, and the flow is really important. It's but, like a theme park, isn't it, back there? It's yeah. Like conveyors. Conveyors and, this, and metal and detectors and machines. And, yeah, and no, it's all happening. and security <laughs> at the door, like the big bugs not letting you in because no one can get in there. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a very uh, high-tech looking place. So, um, yeah, that's great. Uh, back on the diversity, um, Scarlett's written down here for us. Tell us a bit about a few different ways um, that you have diversified through that challenging time. So I guess just making sure that we've got markets open to ourselves, you know, all the time. Um, export was, was one of the markets we had during the, the needle crisis, and it was our saving grace. Essentially, we had, you know, we still had those markets open. Once the metal detector was in, there was still demand for export, and that's basically how we kept going. Otherwise, we probably would have, we would have stopped prematurely that season because there was literally nowhere to sell, sell your strawberries. So, you know, having done that... Um, we just we build on the marketing side all the time just to try and work out you know where we're going to put strawberries and where the market's going um organics is obviously quite a big feather in our cap as well mm. and um you know our point of difference is, is trying to bring that you know i guess at a larger scale and trying to bring it forward to try and you know try and get people and consumers into into that you know strawberry purchase how many strawberry farms are there in australia do you know Hard question, I know. Hard question. It's like saying how many wholesales. I have no idea, but yeah, there, there, there must be. There's a lot on the sunny coast, isn't there? I think um, there's only about, one good one. I know, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think about eighty percent of eighty percent of Queensland strawberries are grown right here. Yeah. Okay. So you know, all the farms are are in this region. Yeah, great. A um, little bit in in Bundaberg, um, and the odd one, you know, dotted around. But yeah, predominantly most of the volume is coming out of the Sunshine Coast, and I think it's. Purely the, the climate is just fantastic for, for winter strawberries. Any funny stories from these boys? These, these fun-loving boys are in the shed. Uh, Any funny stories for oh, us? There's, there's so many, generally. <laughs> I mean, most of them come at somebody's expense. But, um, oh, look, we, you know, we lease this block of land, and um, the owner's been here for years and years. And um, he doesn't do a lot. You know, he, he hangs around the farm. And, um, but without any of us actually living on the farm, it's always a point of call for us, you know, mm. to come back and, um, especially after rain events or storm events. And we had a storm about two two years ago, and it was an absolute ripper. It came through hail and it obliterated the crop, and the wind it knocked all the trees down. All of these beautiful pallets, <laughs> every single one of them, all forty of them, were all everywhere, s- scattered around the farm, and. Um, I guess after the st- we, the storm happened late, in, you know, late uh, early evening, and uh, I guess we were we were all out of here. And um, I gave I gave Rock a call and said to him, you know, how did how did we go? And he said, oh, we just caught the edge of it, you know, <laughs> just caught the edge of it. We didn't, and I don't think he'd actually looked outside to see what was going on. So we arrived in the morning and said, well, if this was the edge, we'd hate to see the center. And uh, yeah, we probably spent the next three weeks trying to clean everything up. Yeah, okay. and uh, look, you know, it's. Um, 
it is challenging at the t- t- time of the year. Yeah. But yeah, it's, you know, I guess you turn back and reflect and, you know, you, you pull out some stories. Yeah, I bet. I was actually out here, as I mentioned before, a couple of weeks ago, and I was just trying to get a couple of photos of the beautiful, I was happy to be going back around, you know, sunset, and I know it's fantastic here with the Glasshouse Mountains in the background and sunset, and uh, I was trying to get a few photos. And Ash had, I've been over to the shed, Ash gave me some strawberry masks as a bit of a, hey, wear these funny strawberry masks, you know, they've got pictures of little strawberries, strawberries. on them. So I was talking to her and I, I, must, I had a mask on. So uh, then I drove over here and I must have kept it on. Then I was walking around the paddock with the mask on. Like there's no one for, you know, 100 metres. And someone, one of his team walks out of the shed, an old guy, and he walks up to me and stands about 20 metres away and goes, Mike. We don't need a mask out here. <laughs> and I was literally just trying to get a couple of photos, and, I, and it was just the funniest thing to just have a aha moment of, oh, yes, getting so used to wearing those things with all the challenges of COVID. And, um, yeah, this farmer just bringing me back to reality. It was um, it was very nice. But anyway, that was my funny story from your farm. I'm sure there's a million more uh, of pallets being fell over and all sorts oh. of things in the cool rooms. But um, and anyway, um, what else do I want to say? What about favourite dishes? Have you what, have you ever been out or eaten um, something that's been made from strawberries that you've just gone, wow, that's amazing? I went up to Bundaberg a couple of weeks ago and um, I visited one of the strawberry farms up there and uh, they make a, a fresh frozen strawberry ice cream. And um, I must admit that that hit the spot for me. You know, <laughs> I haven't had one of them. We, you know, we produce ice cream, strawberry ice cream with, you know, whole syrup-based um, chunky strawberry ice cream. Mm-hmm. And it's a big seller in Stanthorpe. Fantastic. Yeah. But yeah, this one just hit the spot and That's, it was fantastic. Ah, yeah, there. I'll get back. I want to talk about Stanthorpe Farm and how you can visit it. Um, I, I just have to say, because I forgot to say this in the Tony Kelly podcast, and uh, I think he laughed when he realised I had forgotten to put it in there, but I'm going to put it in this one. I, uh, I made a strawberry dessert for a Noosa Food and Wine event once, and there was um, Gareth Collins and Tony Kelly and Braden Wright and myself. And uh, I did the dessert dish, which ended up being strawberries, which I ripped off some other person in Melbourne or wherever. You know, it wasn't my own creation but, at all, but I probably pretended it was. And... Um, so uh, we did strawberries nine different ways. So we did um, a strawberry a mousse, a strawberry ice cream. Uh, no, it wasn't ice cream. A granita, uh, a frozen strawberry that had been grated over top, uh, a, a strawberry jelly. Anyway, any way that you can think of that you can turn a, jelly, a strawberry into, we did it and put it on one plate with a milk ice cream, not a vanilla ice cream. It had a little uh, amaretto biscuit as well, and it was just delightful and blew everyone's head off and it was almost looked like the Glasshouse Mountains you might say uh, with a fresh strawberry as well and um, I, I, I won the night of our best meal so that's my oh, that's my gloat tone that you missed that one so uh, in yours and I, and I wanted to say that in his podcast but I saved it for yours fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. but yeah no, there is a, there is so many things you can do with strawberries and um, you know and they are they are really really good for you um, as well um, tell me a little bit about wild strawberries. Is that such a thing? Is, it, is there a wild strawberry? Because I get hit up for wild strawberries quite a bit. I see them in um, Europe. People run out. I see there's like a little bit of raspberries potentially. I don't know if they're wild as such or that. They, they seem to grow up in the hills of the of the mountains here. But um, yeah, do you know anything yeah, about wild strawberries? From what I understand, a lot smaller, that variety, you know. I mean, and it's been, whether it's a myth, I've never, I've never, had the benefit of, of of seeing them or picking them, but you know they you, you hear a lot of um, a lot of people asking for smaller strawberries because they they find them sweeter. 
Um, for us, that's not really the case with these varieties, but I think that that's why there's always been uh, an urge to, you know, to try and find the wild strawberry and, and taste them because, you know, they're always known for the flavour. Yeah, I think it's called an alpine strawberry, the one that I'm referring to, and I think there is a couple of places that grow them, but not very many. And and the write-ups that I read that that they don't eat that amazing, that that that, that is uh, probably a red rhapsody is probably better, but I think yeah. it's the size and the fact that it's got wild written in front of it mm. almost makes it, and it is something that you don't see every day, so it sort of makes it that much more exotic, particularly for restaurants when they're up yeah. with that challenge of, uh, the challenge for a restaurant is a, 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 a strawberry yeah. or let's say a mango a, as well. They're so beautiful straight mm. up that what do you do, what do, you with, do with it? Yeah. And it's like, that's the challenge is that you can't change it because it's yeah. so good. And that's why people, like, how do I sell something like that? So that it's almost like a problem that it's so good. Um, <laughs> where, you know, some great restaurants great. like you know, SK, whatever, they actually present just high quality fruit on ice. Yeah. And um, and okay. that's it. Yeah, you know? that's it. Um, but when it's in full flavour and the full yeah. experience. Yeah. Uh, what advice have you got from from if you if, that that you would have given yourself you know years ago if if you if you'd been able to see the future? Oh, with strawberries, that's that's hard. Look, we I don't think we live with any regrets to be honest. You know, <laughs> every every year we you know we we pick it up, and I think that's what's so beautiful about a seasonal crop is, you know, we finish the season and we're all pretty knackered and. You know, we we love having a good break, and um, you sort of come back and you, you start looking forward to the next season, and you've got every hope, every hope. Doesn't matter what gets thrown your way, whether it's weather events or, or needles, it doesn't matter what. You know, you come back next year and you, you want to have a, a, a decent go again. Mm. And um, I think that's the beauty about you know growing such an intensive crop and a seasonal crop is that mm. each year you want to better yourselves. And um, Good. I cool. guess that's that's where we're at, and that's what we love about doing this job. I like your wording there. You know, better. So you know, I think I think that that's something that, you know we, we try and do as well. We just want to get better. We're not you know, trying to be the best or whatever that is, and we may well we, you know we may well be. But you know, just working on being better is such a lovely thing to say. Um, a lot of questions I actually ask chefs is how do you look after yourself? But everyone's pretty working hard here and fit and out in the sun. How do you do? How do you not look after yourself? Do you get drunk a lot? Or, <laughs> because you guys are out in the sun exercising. Yeah. The opposite to being a chef, standing yeah. in a hot kitchen working away. Yeah. And um, yeah, how do you? No, it's it's true. It's true. Look, I mean, you know, we do put in a lot of hours um, in the day, and there's a lot to fit in. And um, I guess, you know, we, a lot of it is physical, you know, we're out in the sun and obviously working in Queensland in the sun is, is probably one of the biggest things that we try and look after ourselves with is, mm. is trying, you know, try and stay out of the sun as much as you can. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, you know, we put our head down and, you know, we just give it a good, a good go during the season. And, um, you know, for us running two farms, it can be a challenge because you, you drop this one and you just pick the <laughs> next one up <laughs> the next day and you just keep running with yeah, it too, yeah. you know, so... But yeah, I think just enjoying it and, you know, uh, utilizing the full experience of everything and, you know, trying to be better and, yeah. you know, it's just a holistic approach. How do you look after your team? How do you, how do you look after these, these good, good guys? These guys, look, we, a lot of the social activities here is either sport, you know, we're fortunate enough to live close to the beach. And so we get together down at the beach and, you know, we'd have a barbecue. We have barbecues on the farm here too. Mm. Um, and it's not just about getting them out to do work. It's about getting to know them and where mm. they come from, mm. what, what their goals are, what they're striving for, mm. um, because it helps get, you know, the most out of them, trying to understand what mm. they, where they come from and what they, you know, what, the, mm. what their ambitions are. Mm. So, you know, just being that, that point there where it's, you know, you take it to another level if we, if we can. 
How did you meet Ash? How did you meet your wife? Ash and I are both Zimbabwean. Okay. And um, we never we never knew each other over in Zimbabwe. And um, yeah, we met each other down at... Same uh, accent at the pub. <laughs> <laughs> you could say that. You could say okay. that. Like we met down in Brisbane at Riverfire of all places. Uh, and, yeah, nice. It was just, I seen somebody I knew and that was that was a pretty rare thing when you first move over, you know. <laughs> so, uh, well, I was looking for some romantic strawberry story there, but no. <laughs> um, Disappointment. Yeah. Uh, so, who, um, are, who are the people you want to thank the most for... for for helping you get along the way is there anyone uh, i think first and foremost is our team you know they they understand what we're about they understand you know what we're striving for and um i think that's so important because you're not trying to fight them you know to to help you get where you're going they're all understand where we're going and so that's that's really awesome mm. um our business partners john and bernie you know they've been their family's been in strawberries for 35 years or so and you know they've sort of brought us in and welcomed us with open arms and you know we've been fortunate enough to learn from them and you know i guess we're picking up the bat and running it for them too so you know without them we wouldn't be able to we, we wouldn't be where we are today wow yeah no it's been um, amazing for us to deal with you guys uh you know everyone on the phone and nothing too much trouble um and it's been a real pleasure. We've brought chefs out here uh, for tours and stuff, which we hope to do a lot more of when COVID is over and, and get people to appreciate everything um, and, and, and be more educated and, and um, you know, able to really um, be inspired, I guess, and, and um, just understand the, the whole value of a strawberry and, and why and, and be able to respect it and do it justice throughout the, the food that they do. Uh, when is the absolute peak time? I know it's essentially... Um, August for the sunny guys, but tell us, tell us the two absolute tops of the peaks. So if chefs want to do specials or yeah. what are the them two times a year? I just want to, I found that in my notes just then. Yeah. So we're looking at probably middle, middle of August. So from the 15th of August, we're looking at ramping things up yep. um, and that'll run all the way through till the end of September. So we're looking at a good six weeks there yep. um, where production will be at, you know, at its peak. Yeah. Right. So, but yeah, wanted to thank you as well for all the effort you put in and getting strawberries out there and, you know, all the work that you do. It's, oh, it's fantastic. No, thank you. It's actually been fun. I remember singing the Red Rhapsody uh, song when we did that video a long time ago. So we'll continue to do that and we'll continue to work with you. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say? Because I, 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 I think we covered off on a lot of things. But um, no, we're good. Thank yeah, you so much for yeah, really, putting it together. Yeah, you always a great experience. Always make yourself so welcome coming here, getting the, the sunset shots and, and doing everything. So we really do appreciate um, all your hard work and um, wish you all the best and uh we're here for you if there's anything we can do um don't ever hesitate to ask but um so it's thank a pleasure you. pleasure working with you thank you so much for everything you do pleasure cheers mm-hmm.